This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave. The story of the United States of America could have a lot of different plot lines, but one of them is this. Great men have built our nation. And that's why to bridge the gap between Father's Day and Independence Day on 4th of July, we're going to look the next three weeks at some American men and how their characteristics can be a pattern for us to follow and how God used them. And as we do this, though, I want to reject a premise. And the premise is this, that all the great American men have already lived. That as we look back in the history books, we, we, get, we look back in a sentimental way as if those who lived and, and those who helped birth our nation were so much greater than us that all we do is live their legacy and hope to somehow measure up in a small way. No, I, I believe something different. I believe the greatest American men are alive today. I believe the greatest American men are emerging today. I believe with God's help, And with the Spirit's leadership, that the greatest American men are not people we know just in the history books. It's people among us, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, and in our church, and in this very room. That through God's help, and through His leadership, we have a potential to see the greatest men in our nation emerge. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for myself So as we look at some of these different men, we don't exalt them because they were flawed characters just like I am and just like you are. But we see how God can use a certain man at a certain time. And today being Father's Day, we're going to look at the life of George Washington, who is known as a father of our nation, even though he himself had no biological children. He married a widow named Martha and he was a stepfather to her children. But what makes him the father of our nation is that at very crucial moments, the French and Indian War, the Declaration, the Revolutionary War, and the writing of the Constitution, the first presidency, when America needed a leader and they needed someone to look to, George Washington stepped into the role of leadership. And that's the word I want us to think about today. It's the word leadership. And I'm going to talk to fathers, but you know it's going to apply to everybody. So if you're a female here, or if you're not a father yet, or or God has not made you a father, this will certainly apply to you in lots of different arenas. It really will. So as I talk to fathers, I'm just going to trust that you and the Holy Spirit can translate that to your life and, and make it truth today. If there's one thing the world needs, the world needs men to lead. But here's the irony. If there's one thing that men are reluctant to do, it's to lead. There's something inside of us. I mean, I feel it too, so I'm not immune to this. That that kind of wants us to shrink back. There's something inside of us that wants us to hide. Even though from the beginning, God has ordained men to lead, not because men are more important than women or not because they're more valuable, just in God's sovereign plan, there is a unique role in male leadership. It's certainly in specific arenas. And from the beginning, when 
Satan tempted Eve at the Garden of Eden, man, instead of asserting the leadership he should have, kind of just stood back a little bit and was passive. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I know that every man in here has felt it. That something within us that wants to hide and shrink back, something within us that doesn't really step in to the role God has for us. And so as we reflect on that today, I'm going to give you three points today. And the first point, if you want to be the leader God has called you to be as a father, as a man, you're going to have to give in, give in to his call. And I want to be really clear about this is that when you understand that you're a leader and that you're a father, that's not something that you chose, something God chose. God chose you to be in the position that you are today. He chose it for a particular reason. But, but we're in this pattern of drawing back and stepping back. And there's lots of different ways this can happen. There's lots of different ways, lots of different examples we can use. But one of them is, let's, let's talk about starting a family or the dating process. If you can remember when you were in high school or college or in your 20s perhaps, and you ask a girl on a date, whatever that is, dinner or a movie or a concert or whatever the case is, and you do a couple of activities like that, the, the question obviously comes, are you exclusive? Are you serious with her? Now, this is the point where most men, for whatever reason, probably because we're spineless and fearful and chicken, we're like, no, no, now listen, I'm going to keep all my options open. Because there's this great delusion that men have when they're not married. Before a man gets married, every man thinks that every woman in the world wants him. And that is such a delusion. That is such a lie. In retrospect, we realize that every date is a gift from God. I mean, we, it's, it's a fortunate favor of him. But for whatever reason, we're under this delusion of like, I'm going to keep my options open. So no, no, I'm not serious yet. We're just dating. We're just hanging out. But eventually when wisdom prevails, you do become exclusive and you do date. So then the question is this, when are you going to pop the question? Everybody asks that. And so that day comes and you pop the question and almost immediately the question is, when's the big date? When are you going to get married? And the big date comes and, and that day comes and, and then the immediate question, when are you going to have kids? And at each point we're, we're reluctant. We're like, no, no, don't rush me. Don't rush me because in my life, I've got things to do. I got places to go. I got people to see. I'm very, very important. And this, this issue comes now that I've finally, uh, you know, I've resisted marriage as long as I can. I don't want the old ball and chain or or the world's smallest handcuff, right? The wedding ring, because I'm so important and all the women in the world want me, right? Isn't this a delusional thought process that men have? But it's this whole stepping back process. And then when the thought comes to starting a family, it's like, no way am I gonna start a family because I need my yearly Caribbean vacation and I need to go to the ski lodge in the winter. And I, above all men in the world, will never ever, no matter what happens, drive a minivan. There is no way that's going to happen. So we resist, we resist, we resist. And 
So that's just one example of like a pattern that we have of this kind of delayed responsibility. And my concern is that causes us to have this mindset that, that, that we shrink back instead of, instead of stepping forward. Instead of finding out what God's called us to do. It's God who called us to be a man. It's God who called us to be a husband. It's God who called us to be a father. We have this delusion of self-determination. And we have to give in. Give in to the call of God in our life. And when we do, now we'll look at our passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. We understand Paul gave us a great statement for all of us men today. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now, I want to remind you of something. Becoming a man has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with your mindset. Because there are 50 and 60 and 78-year-old children who've never given up childish ways. They still think immaturely and childishly. And as a child, child, children are wired to think egocentrically. Think about my needs. But there are some 15 and 18 and 22-year-old men who said, I'm putting away childish things. I'm putting away an immature mindset. And instead, with God's help, I'm becoming a man. I'm stepping in the place where God wants me to be. See, in our society, we've come up with this artificial number, 21. 21 is when you become a man. Or according to the car rental companies, it's 25. I don't understand that. We let 18-year-olds drive multi-million dollar airplanes and tanks in the military, but Hertz won't let you get a $29 a day car. But anyway... Since I'm 24 years old, I won't have to worry about that next year. That is a joke. Thank you. Okay. So the childish ways that we have, and and I'm calling you today, and God's calling you just to give in, give in to that call. This whole idea of delayed responsibility, it really is an epidemic. It started in Europe, and statistically we're seeing it now in the United States that this delayed adolescence, our delayed adulthood, where men are not taking their place in society. They're not stepping into the place God wants them to be. They just want to play. They just want to uh, have freedom. They don't want to have responsibility. They don't want to have inhibitions. They're more dedicated to their gaming than they are to being a man of God. And God's calling us and reminding us, just step in. Step into the call. Is there a price? Yeah, there's a price. But the benefit for you and the people in your life is immeasurable. You can't measure the benefit. If men take their place, men take their place in leadership, in our world, in our city, in our civic government, in our school systems, in this church, in the family unit, when men step into what God's called them to do, Incredible things will happen. And I believe in you guys. I, I want to tell you that I don't speak to you today and hold myself up to as this perfect father myself. I'm on a journey and I'm right there with you. you know, and 
And my family sitting here in the front row, and they, they know, listen, we're on a journey. We're on a journey. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. There's tones of voices that I use that I regret. Sometimes I'm selfish and don't serve my family like I should. But through God's help, every, every, every day as I follow his spirit, he's helping me. And he's going to help you too. He's going to help you too. So when I say give in to the call, I'm right there with you guys. Let's do it together. That's why God's called us together. That's why we have things like men's night on Friday night, which was outstanding. That's why we have men's groups that you can see in your review when those happen, because we're in this together. We're in this together. We're on a journey together to be the men of God that he wants us to be. To put away childish things, to put away immaturity, and instead to step into what God's called us to do and who he's called us to be. Well, George Washington, the one thing that he loved, he loved more than anything, was his farm, his plantation called Mount Vernon. It was really the love of his life. So all of the different activities that he participated in in leading our nation always took him away from, from what he really wanted to do and where he wanted to be. It was George Washington's preference to just be a, an owner of this farm. It was his preference to live in isolation. It was his preference to uh, live the simple anonymous life, but he went into public service because there was a void of leadership. And when his country called him, he answered the call. It's much different from our politicians today who'll say anything or do anything to get elected. Instead, Washington was an example of someone who was a reluctant general. He was a reluctant president, but his country needed him. Even when his preference was to be at Mount Vernon, he stepped in to leadership positions. Here's the second thing I want you to observe with me today is that you have to not only give in, but you have to give up. Give in to your call, but give up your preferences. To be the leader God wants you to be, you gotta give up your preference. You gotta give up what you wanna do. You gotta give up what you wanna prefer. And when you give up what's special to you for something that's greater, let me tell you, there's a return that God has on it that is indescribable. There is a return on that. Washington himself, his favorite thing to do was to, to hunt foxes. I know we get some hunters in here. Some of y'all need to teach me how to hunt. I was going to go hunt in recent months, and I found out you have to take a one-day class now. What, how un-American is that, huh? So if you have a way around that system, let me know. So Washington, he, he would raise hound dogs and go fox hunting, and that, that was his preference. And there were some time periods of his life where he had a lot of leisure time. And so when that call came, we need you to lead the Virginia Army. We need you to lead the Revolutionary Army. We need you to serve as our first president. There was that reluctance within him. But he knew that he had to give up something he loved for something he believed in. And to be the father... And the grandfather, for those of you who are uncles and aunt, uncles, key uncles and key leaders in people's lives, sometimes you have to give up what you prefer for something better. I'm so thankful that my two boys who are involved in our children's ministry have benefited because there are men in this church 
who have given up what they preferred. I'm looking at some of them here to mentor my boys. Because I'm like, you have to do that. You have to maybe give up your preference. Because you believe in a cause that is bigger. You believe in something that is greater. And Jesus set the pattern for this. In Mark chapter 14, we, we discover in the middle of a story that, that Jesus is in his last hours before he gave himself up on the cross. And he's in the, the Mount of Olives praying, struggling with what he's going to do. And in Mark chapter 14, starting with verse 35, we read, it says, And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Dads, granddads, uncles, I want you to follow our Savior's example. Not what I will, but what you will. I want to be very clear on this. Your, your call to be a father came from God. It wasn't a biological reality. It was a spiritual birth. You're called to be a father. For, for some of us, like myself, I became a father really early in life, earlier than I anticipated. I have a cousin who's, who didn't start his family until he was almost 40 years old. And sometimes we can think, well, this wasn't my timing. I didn't think I'd have kids this soon, or I thought I'd have, I didn't think I'd have kids this late. Or maybe you're a grandparent and that same reality is, I didn't know I'd have become a grandpa now, or I didn't know what would happen this time in my life. And, and I understand that, that we, we have these plans in our minds, but the Lord directs our paths. And, and I just want you to know that if you're a father today, if you're a grandfather, that you're exactly called of God in his will because God's timing is perfect. Even when the circumstances weren't perfect, his timing's perfect. He is wise and he, he knows. He knows what he's doing. And when you begin to understand that, you give in to your call and then you give up your preference. Say like Jesus did, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I have a friend who... who has given up golf in key years of his children's life because he realized the window is so small. I'm not saying everyone has to do that, but you, it might not be golf for you, but it could be something else, something that you prefer to do, that you would choose to do, but you realize that at certain times in your life, the window is so small. My oldest daughter sitting on this front row and I have six years till she graduates from high school. I'll never stop parenting her, but I've got a window in front of me. And with God's help, I want to use my time well. I want to use my time well. I want to give up some things I prefer for what he's called me to do. Man, I say, that's good. It will go well for you. It will go well for you. Billy Graham's in the twilight of his life. And so he's always said important things, but you pay attention right now. And in recent years, someone asked him, if you had to live your life over again, what would you do? Billy Graham, one of the most respected people uh, in, in our society said two things. One, I'd spend more time with God. And number two, I'd spend more time with my family. 
And before you think that's just some kind of nice answer from a, another pastor, I've read enough of his biographies to understand something, is that he, in the 1950s, 19, late 40s through the mid-60s, would spend weeks and weeks away from his family. He'd be in Europe for weeks at a time, and I know at least one of his children, but it's probable there were more that he was not even, he wasn't there when they were born. It was a different generation. It was a different time. We had different values of the way we look towards our family, but the wisdom's here for us today. That we hear a man that we mutually respect in the twilight of his life calling us, calling us to live a life of priority. Put God first and put the family first. It's an old message, but we have a hard time applying it. We really do. It's, it's, that's why the Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. You've heard this before, but you're hearing it today for a reason. You're hearing it today for a distinct reason. See, I think a lot of us in our mind, uh, we're like George Washington. We imagine uh, this place of no responsibility. Sure, Mount Vernon had responsibility, but it certainly wasn't like leading an army or leading a nation. Uh, and often we, we really kind of get weary of the pressing decisions that are upon us. People are always wanting a decision. People are wanting, always wanting in, in these high, high stress and high level situations, there's always a reason to perform. All day long, you're making decisions. Then you come home, the, your wife's waiting for you to make decisions. Or, and there's all types of complexity now uh, with our blended family and so forth. And so it, it's nice to think, well, wouldn't there come this time in life where I just don't have to have all these worries or all these concerns. I have a friend of mine who's a high-level leader in the corporate world, and I asked him, how's your year going? And, and as we were talking about his calendar, I asked him, what are you going to do for vacation? He said, well, I have a couple of weeks of vacation, one I spend with my family, and one I take for myself, which is, which is he, or he has maybe three weeks of vacation. So I was curious. I'm like, well, what are you going to do when you take vacation by yourself? And he said this. He said, I am going to go build a retaining wall. That does not sound like a vacation to me. That sounds like misery to me. For those of you who are, are great in masonry, I, I respect what you do because I have low man skills when it comes to building stuff. So I begin to ask him more about that. And I was like, why do you want to do that? Why, why in the world would someone uh, like you want to spend a week doing that? He said, Aaron, I want to just be able to take a brick and look at it and say, do I want to put it that way or do I want to put it that way? Said, I want that to be the biggest decision of my day. And, you know, that's probably a good thing. You know, it's a good thing that every day that we, we have some type of diversion, hopefully a godly diversion. Uh, we, you know, a lot of times if we don't create a good diversion, sin will create a diversion for us. But you need a daily diversion and you need a weekly Sabbath. You got to take one day off a week to worship God, one day off a week to be with your family at least. Everyone needs a daily diversion. Everyone needs a weekly Sabbath and everyone needs a yearly vacation. So th those times are good. Those times are good where we can, as my friend did, say, all I want to do is think about this brick or whatever that means to you, whatever helps you retreat and get away. But we, I think that we have this false illusion that there's going to come this place where we're never under pressure. And, and we're at our own Mount Vernon where we, we never have demands and, and that we never have anything pressing on to us. Can I just simply say that the world needs too many leaders for you to do that perpetually. It's true. There are going to come times in your life where you just need to step into the position. You need to give in to God's call and give up your preference. 
and say, I'm going to do what God called me to do. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I'm a leader, and I'm a leader, and there's a cost to being a leader. It means sometimes you've got to give up what you prefer. It means you've got to show up early when no one else will show up early. It means you've got to stay late and close up when no one else will. It means that you have to make sacrifices to be a leader. But can I tell you the benefits are so good. I can't even describe how good the benefits are because the world needs you. The church needs you. I need you. And you need to be the person God's called you to be. Give in to your call and give up your preference and see what God can do in your life. One of the greatest challenges that Washington faced was the challenge to whether he would become a monarch or a king. Because up to that point in history, that's all the world had known. They had known a king. And all the conditions were right for George Washington to become a monarch here. In fact, towards the end of the Revolutionary War, the soldiers were very frustrated. And there was uh, talk of, among the officers of a military uprising. And Washington could have rode that wave and become a dominant military dictator. But he believed in something bigger. He believed in the republic, meaning people, government by the people. And he gave back to the people. And that's the third thing I want you to say. He had all the admiration. He had all the power. But he gave back. That's the third point. We have to give back. That's what leadership is. Leadership's not about you. It's about them, whoever your them is. Leadership's not about you ascending to whatever ladder of success that you're on. Leadership is about serving the people that God has given you influence with. And Washington is an example of someone who didn't bring power, didn't take power upon himself. He believed in the cause. He believed in the republic. And he gave up his rights. He gave up his rights so that the people would be blessed. As I saw him in Psalm 78, such a, a great reminder in this song, we find what God wants us to do. He said, for he issued his laws to Jacob and he gave instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. It's a beautiful picture of what God wants us to do We are the teachers. We are the pastors. We are the leaders. Our children will not develop a love for Christ and a love for the Bible and a love for the church by accident. It's intentionality. It's us deciding we are going to lead the way. And there is nothing as powerful in a child's life than a man of God, not a perfect person, because I haven't met a man yet who's perfect. There's only one perfect one. That's Jesus Christ. This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 